Step right up, folks. See if you can outdrive the amazing golf ball uh, whacker guy. Welcome, everybody, to Golf Picks with the Plotniks. As usual, I am your host, Dino the Pig, and I'm joined by my brother, the farmer, Jared Plotnik. Jared Plotnik, I know the past is the past. On to the RBC Heritage this week, but it was the Masters after all. And I don't have much to say other than I got my titties rocked. So I'll leave it at that. But uh, the Masters, how was it for you? Hey, great as always. But um, yeah, wasn't on Scheffler. No winner there. Shout out to him. Had another second place outright in Rory, but never really had a chance, as I even talked about on the last episode. It was kind of his first rounds in majors are letting him down. That's exactly what happened again. Uh, guy's pretty consistent. So, um, but other than that, it's always the Masters. Fun to watch. Uh, I was look forward to next year, but let's move forward right now to the RBC Heritage and the tournament that I actually love. It's uh, um, <clears throat> one of my favorites to bet, as we'll get into a lot of outrights win here. I mean, lo- sorry, long shot outrights have won here recently. So I'm excited for it because those are my favorite cards to put together, the long shot ones. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's about it. Let's get to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's more disappointing. Having absolutely no ponies in the race going into the weekend at the Masters or having a pony every single weekend of the entire golf season and not having a single winner yet going into Sunday. So <laughs> I don't know which one's worse, but like you said, I digress. It's on to the RBC Heritage which is in Hilton Head, South Carolina. This is going to be played at Harbortown Golf Links. It's a par 71, 7,100 yards, a little shorter track. There are four par fives, sorry, four par threes, three par fives. They are played on Bermuda grass greens. Your previous winner here and your reigning defending champion is Stuart Sink. Before him was Webb Simpson at minus 22, C.T. Pan, Satoshi Kodaira, Wes Bryan, Brandon Grace. I don't know if anybody's caught on to a, um, I don't know, has caught on to the theme here, which is long shots. So I'm sure you'll talk about that in nauseum. But before we get to our plays, it's as usual, we'd like to give you guys a little bit of a course breakdown. I'll talk to you about some of the key metrics you want to look at if you were going to build either your own models or things that you want to look at when you're deciding how to build your card. We'll give you all our full tournament matchups and our first round leaders and get you on your merry way. Let's get ourselves some more ponies in the race and let's get another winner on the books. So without further ado, Jay Pleasy, tell me what you think about, well, as you alluded to, one of your favorite events of the year. You love this course. You love this event, Harbortown Golf Links. Tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, this is... uh... Number one course of the year where it's pretty much an even playing field. Um, when it comes to the, this is the, the course where I always say uh, one of the guys you alluded to, Wesley Bryan, a Reed Armour, or Ryan Armour, I always call him Reed Armour. Um, Brian Stewart, players like that who are really short off the tee but really accurate. When they go play at Torrey Pines, they have no chance. When they kick, when they come play here, they have a really good chance because drivers can be taken out of your hand a lot. It's all about playing angles. So – um, a lot of the guys are going to be hitting their approach shots from the same spots, which means a lot of bombers will want to club down, find uh, right angles where to hit it. <clears throat> and 
I really, uh, there's really two stats that I look for here and it's approach and putting. Uh, one of the rare tournaments where I really emphasize strokes gain putting. So as you'll see, as I go through some of the players I like, I'll be looking for really accurate <clears throat> drivers off the tee, put themselves in the right because, I mean, sorry, not, um, I mean, I want them to be in the right position off the tee, but I don't really want anyone who's going to be really spraying the ball because if you hit in the woods here, you're going to be punching out or whatnot. But yeah, off the tee is not really going to be a big deal for me, but it's really, I want some elite approach players that are hitting every green here and giving themselves birdie chance for the birdie chance and then have hot putters to roll those putts in. And um, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm looking for. The only other thing I'll touch on is around the green game here. Uh, I think these are the second smallest greens, just like Pebble Beach on the PGA Tour. So, but um, it's not, it's really easy to scramble here. So I'm not really looking for around the green, but um, of course you're going to have to have, I mean, most of the winners uh, are good pitchers because you're not going to hit every green, no matter how good you play. So, okay. Yeah. So just a little bit of course notes on my end, obviously you already alluded to a few of it, but you know, accuracy off the tee, definitely a key metric here. Distance doesn't prove to be an advantage, but what you'll see is guys that hit the ball long. It's not penile to hit it long. It's not like it's a disadvantage. It's just that it's a little bit harder to capitalize on, you know, just having, you know, lowering one club in your hand isn't necessarily the biggest advantage of all time. But at the end of the day, look, this is a club down course. So, uh, you know, there, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, club di- it's a club down course. Oh, so it's going to be incredibly useful for guys i don't know off the top of my head like a, a jordan spieth who just is really airing off the tee uh, he'll, he'll be able to take you know some irons and some woods off the tee this week instead um and then just rely on their approach plays so wedges and short irons i mean i know you'll see some longer irons out there and um at the end of the day, it's all about the approach play, and that's why some of the names you talked about, those guys are shorter hitters, accurate, and they hit greens. But the greens are really tiny. There's a 57% GIR rate here compared to the tour average, which is 66%. So pretty big difference there, which makes around the green fair, uh, fairly important around the green game, as you mentioned just a bit ago. I think it's a little bit more important than probably you talked about, but um, – with a 57% GAR rate, that's a lot of scrambling and a lot of chipping. I know chipping isn't necessarily hard, but there are guys, cough, cough, you know, the Victor Hoblins of the world that, you know, if, if you're not really good at it, then it could be a detriment to your entire round tournament, whatever, to your entire game. There's four long par threes. All of them typically play 190 yards or further. Two of them rank as the top five hardest holes on the course. There's three par fives. Hole number two is the easiest hole on the course, has over a 50% birdie rate. Hole number five, the second easiest on the court with a 40. See, now, now it's, you know, it's one of those things that's contagious. Now you're making me burn. It's, well, <laughs> I guess that's what happens when you throw back a little bit of a brewski as you're getting ready to record. So as I was alluding to, a hole number five, second easiest hole on the course with a 44% birdie rate. We do see some eagles, so um, you know you do need guys who can score as they are reachable holes, guys that you know are good with their second shots on par fives. And there's nine par fours between 400 and 500 yards. Nothing necessarily notable on that end. There's it's just that there's really no drivable holes. Nothing at the 350 to 400 range. Next up, the weather. What are we looking at this week in Hilton Head, South Carolina? Winds looking pretty. 
steady at, at 15 to 20 miles per hour. I mean, this is coastal course. This is on an island. Um, so 15 to 20 miles per hour in the afternoon. And when I say island, I'm not talking like beach island. It's like, a, you know, this is like the marshes of the Carolinas. Um, so it's really more like lake. But uh, anyways, uh, 15 to 20 mile per hours in the afternoons, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Saturday actually got some potential for rain from about 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. is what we're seeing right now. Um, it's going to be extremely cloudy all day, but calm winds. So that Saturday might be the day that scoring gets pretty rampant, which you know we've seen a, a big difference in scores over the years. You know, Stewart Sink and Webb Simpson the last two years minus 19, minus 22, but the four years before that, CT Pan Kadira, West Bryant, Grace were looking at an average of about minus 10 to minus 12. So a uh, big discrepancy on that end. So Weather can be a factor, so I think Saturday is the day that they call moving day for a reason, and it might be just this week because of the rain. Well, we talked about things that we'll be looking at in the types of golfers we are eyeing this week. My model will consist of guys with approach play, opportunities gained, guys that are good around the greens, guys that are great at putting, especially on Bermuda grass greens. Um, I know you talked a lot about the approach play, but you know, I'm sure you'll talk about this when you get to your card, but putting is going to be really big this week. You're going to need guys to get extremely hot. And then GIRs gained. I told you guys, this is 9% less GIRs than the average tour event. Let's get straight into our betting cards. I think I've got a guy that is higher up the odds boards than you. So I'm going to go ahead and go first here. I'm going to start my card out with Dustin Johnson at 18 to one odds. I know I've bet on him a a fair amount recently, and I, I, it's one of those situations, kind of like a Tony Finau, like for me over the years, where it's just like I'm gonna keep taking him at good numbers until he hits, because I know it's gonna happen eventually. And as I stay consistent, then it's gonna pay out in the end. I mean, I may not do it every single tournament, but like I said, when I get a good number, and I think 18 to one is a good number this week. I mean, he's coming in at the same number as guys like Matt Fitzpatrick, who has zero, zero PGA Tour wins in his career, and Patrick Cantlay is also 18 to one which I actually didn't mind the 18 to one of Cantley, but I would have preferred a 20 to 25, probably closer to 25 this week. But anyways, I think I'm getting some value at DJ at 18 to one. This is a stacked field. So for once we're actually getting, you know, we got guys like JT, Morikawa. I know we've got uh, Webb Simpson. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit, but I just like how DJ's game is shaping into form and he's playing at a course that he's played at the past four years. He's an RBC guy. That's a sponsor of his. So he has to play every single year and he's never finished worse than 28th. He doesn't have any, you know, unbelievable eye popping finishes here. He, I think his best finish is a T13, but he's from South. He's from South Carolina. If you don't know DJ's backstory, he's from, um, why is it slipping my mind at the moment? Myrtle Beach, sorry, Myrtle Beach. It's from Myrtle Beach, which is literally, I mean, you could basically call this a, a home field event for him. And I love the the way that he's, uh, the form he's coming in with. He's gained over four strokes off the tee every single year. He's played here around the green game is what has killed him. And that's why I was talking about, I think it is a little bit more important because every single year that he's played here, half of the times he's, he's lost strokes around the green, even though he's been gaining over four strokes off the tee. But um, I love that he did come uh, from Augusta last week where he did gain strokes around the green, which is probably one of the hardest courses in the world to do so. Um, I love that his approach play is coming into form. He's gained strokes on approach in his last three events. That includes playing at the Masters, 
the players in Valspar. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting strokes on approach at all three of those courses consecutively, something is starting to kick into gear. And I just think that the wind is coming soon. Uh, this is good value for me at a guy who's a 24-time PGA Tour winner and a two-time major champion. So let me uh, start off my card with DJ at 18 to 1. And I will say also, I was able to get to DJ because this is like you talked about. It's a, it's a long shot. You know, this is a long shot event. So I, as you'll see with the next few guys I take, I don't really have anybody else near the top. So I was able to fit him in. I was looking at the top of the board and. I mean, JT at 12 to 1 and Morikawa 12 to 1. I just, I'm not going to do that. So give me a DJ 18. Yeah, can't fault it. DJ's going to win soon. Uh, it's been a while. Guys do. Um, <clears throat> why not at a hometown course? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't, this is a course I kind of alluded to. I'm not really going to touch the higher end of the spectrum. You can make cases for all these guys. I can make a case. I mean, I think that this course sets up perfectly for Colin Morikawa's game shorter course where he just rips apart with his irons but with Colin always comes down to putting and in such a deep field short number I'm just not going to get there um, but I will have some DraftKings exposure to him when it comes to that but I decided to start my card a little further down the board and going back to the wall from last week I think an extremely fair number with Daniel Berger at 30 to 1 I'm going to start my card there um, I mean look I alluded to what I'm looking for this guy loves putting in Bermuda uh, has been one of the best approach players over the last two years. Uh, he's right up there. Just been <clears throat> fantastic on approach and factor that in that he's played the RBC heritage. Fantastic. Last two years, 13th and third, uh, he should have won the heritage in 2020. That was right out of the COVID break. He won the week before at I believe it was colonial and then had a chance at the RBC to go back to back. He came up just shoot short. I think it was to Colin Morikawa in second. I forgot who won. But uh, besides the point, he checks all the boxes here for me. Um, fantastic approach player. Fantastic putter. Uh, he's gained putting here on approach here uh, when he's played here last three times. Also 33rd place in 19. And at 30 to 1, I mean, I think he's almost just as good as uh, all the guys at the top of the board. I'm getting double the number. Uh, Berger, I just I can't get off him. So, um I'm going with Berger, 30 to 1, start my card. Yeah, my when I ran my model last 50 rounds, Daniel Berger, number one on approach and number nine on what Fantasy National describes as good drives. And what a good drive means when it comes to the metrics is a drive that doesn't hit the fairway but results in the GIR anyways. So that's going to be important here. I mean, I know that accuracy is not terrible. It's pretty easy to hit fairways here. But a guy that if you're going to miss – and is still able to hit greens, as I mentioned, how important GIRs are. So uh, those are two metrics that stood out to me. I just decided to, to pivot elsewhere. So I'll go to my second pick and my pivot from that 30 to 1 range. I decided and landed on Jordan Spieth at 35 to 1. Look, I honestly, I don't think on golf pits the pockets I've bet him out right yet. I, I think I've taken him in, in different exposure. I'm a, obviously a Jordan Spieth homer. My brother uh, obviously loves to give me shit for that. But um, at the end of the day, I like to pick my spots with him because I know his game pretty well. And I just, similar to DJ, I love how much he's playing right now. He's been playing so much golf. I mean, he played the week before the Masters, plays the Masters, plays again this week. But I love where his game is trending. I mean, if, if it wasn't for that blow-up hole on Friday at Augusta on the 12th hole yet again, 
where he hit it into water twice, literally so reminiscent of Sunday at, you know, at Augusta in 2017 when he had the lead and he choked. Um, I think he would have been trending towards a really good week. He, he, he looks solid. Yet again, he could not putt. That's two weeks in a row. But I love where his iron game is at. Um, he gained over six strokes at the Valera the week before Augusta and gained strokes on approach at the players as well. The putter's just been killing him. He's, he lost over two at the players, and he lost over seven at Valero. Putted, he actually putted pretty decent at Augusta over two days. I mean, it wasn't good. And two more days may have <laughs> that may have put the jury out, but I just think the pop off week is bound to come soon. He's he's now going to be putting on Bermuda grass, which I like. You know, maybe switch up the you know the the surface. And I think this seems like a good course fit for him. He could he could club down off the tee to hit more fairways, like I talked about earlier, and let his approach by carrying him. And with such a low JR rate, um, his short game is probably top three in the world when it comes to around the green play. So I think that that could always be a crutch for him. The guy could hole out from anywhere at any time. And uh, this is more of a field play than anything. You know, obviously, I, I let the numbers – I try to throw some numbers out there, but, he, I mean, he hasn't been amazing, so how much can I say? It's just a field play. I think that I'm getting value at 35 to 1, and I, I need to start doing more field plays instead of trying to look at the numbers too much because, I, hey, frankly, I've been dog shit on my outrights this year. Granted, I probably have, I don't know, seven guys that finish in the top three. <laughs> that I bet on and they just can't win but uh maybe something that I'll change something this week and that'll uh, change something for me come Sunday so give me speed at 35 to 1. Yeah we'll see I mean uh I like that you preface it with sometimes you just gotta go to the field plays because you did preface it right beforehand that you, how important putting is this week and he's been atrocious putting in the last month or so but like uh, maybe a green change or something all it takes with these guys is uh, one little thing, one little minute change, and, and it could click. So we shall see. But moving on to my next one, I think this is value-wise to me my favorite pick of the week. Um, I'm going Lord Tyrell Hatton at 50 to 1, I found. And, I mean, I could re- make really good cases, and who knows, maybe I'm, I'm about to uh, put a little knock on one of the guys you've taken. I don't know. But uh, at a certain book where I found Hatton at 50 to 1, you have a – Kevin Kisner and a Kevin Knott, 40 to 1 each. And I love them both, but you're, you're trying to tell me that Kevin Kisner and Kevin Na or are at a 20% shorter number than Terrell Hatton. Terrell Hatton, who's top 15 in the world. Terrell Hatton, who's obviously the two best things of his game are his approach play and his putting. I mean, he's just been on fire with the putter recently. Gained eight and a half, eight and a half strokes at the players, eight strokes at the Arnold Palmer, where he finished second. Um, his approach has been Amazing. At the Valspar, gained five and a half on approach. And at the Heritage, he's played good here over the years. I mean, he's played here more than I actually thought. Um, and with a third place finish in 2020, uh, where he gained nine and a half putting and three on approach, the two main things I'm looking for. But the only reason he to win was he lost strokes off the tee and around the green. But he tends to be a really good short game player around the green, <clears throat> has gained in uh, nine of his last 11 stroke or, or metric or game oh my god i don't even know what just happened there but um nine of his last 11 where they have uh kept the metrics on around the green play he has gained in so <clears throat> he checks all the boxes for me the one thing with terrell that i'm always worried about he's just heckling jied off the tee uh you never know what you're gonna get but i think here if he can just club down use those long irons that uh he's really good with put himself in the right positions and get hot with those irons at 50 to one. And I mean, this is a guy I never really bet, but 
<clears throat> I think this is the perfect kind of course fit for him. And I think we're getting him at a really good number for no really reason. I mean, it's not like he hasn't been playing well recently, he made the cut the masters, even though he didn't play well, but right before that, a 21st, 13th and second, his last three starts. I don't know why he's slipping, but I'll gladly grab him at the discounted number of 50 to one, as opposed to a Matt Fitzpatrick at 20 to one when Hatton's won a lot more over the last couple of years. Um, give me Lord Terrell Hatton, 50 to one. Nice. You're right. <laughs> I mean, I just woke up from a nap an hour ago. I told you I wasn't feeling my best. I lost my train of thought, my words on that last one. So, no, I don't know if I'm all right, but I'm battling through this, and that's what I'm going to expect Hatton to do on Sunday to win this tournament for me. Respect that. All right. In the same range, no, I was looking at this range. You talked about, you know, the Kisners, Kevin Na, they all got steamed into that 40 to 1 range. And, you know, I got, there's Tommy up there. Henley got steamed. M got steamed. You got Horschel there. Chris Kirk, who I would never bet on for the life of me on an outright. I still don't understand why the books love him so much. It's so fucking weird. They're like obsessed. Co-crack, Siwoo, McNeely. You know what? I decided to pivot, and I'm going elsewhere, and I'm going to the Swede. Alex Noren. Alexander Noren at 45-1. to 1. My Atlanta, look at the guy. This guy is on absolute fucking fire since the calendar year. I mean, just his last seven finishes, unbelievable. The Farmers, a 39th finish, gains pretty much across the board. He just had some troubles off the tee. Goes to Waste Management Phoenix, finishes sixth, gains seven strokes putting. Goes to the Genesis, a 48th finish, but his putter let him down that week, minus two and a half, but gaining 3.5 on approach and 2.8 tee to green. Then the Honda, the putter keeps go, coming. He's going back and forth every week. He's plus two and a half, gains plus 5.4 strokes on his approach and 6.7 tee to green with a top five finish. Then he gets to the players and loses strokes putting, but gains five strokes again on his approach. I mean, the guy's approach game is just out of control. And then his last start is the Valspar. And he, gain, he loses on approach, but then gains 5.2 strokes putting and finishes in 12th. All of that to say, if the putter and the approach play can just have sex, my baby will be standing in the podium in a first place finish come this week. So I love the way that his game is shaping into form right now. Um, I, he's a great course fit. He's unbelievable tee to green approach and can get high, hot with the putter. In the last 50 rounds, he ranks number four in the field in putting, and he loves putting on Bermuda greens. And on top of that, Pretty solid course history. He's played here three times and has finishes. Uh, all of his finishes are of 28th or better, and that's something I love to see. I just love to see anybody um, play a course multiple times and, you know, love to not see missed cuts. You know, anybody that's going to finish top 30, especially for somewhat of a journeyman in Alex Norton, I, I can dig that. And I just think he keeps knocking on the door, and this week feels like a week he could knock that door down. So, I know he's very chalky this week. I'm sure he's going to be extremely popular on DraftKings. Every podcast I've listened to from some other content guys out there, everyone's talking about Alex Noren, but rightfully so. I think that this is a really good week for him. And with all the guys around him, I, I, I just I wanted to pivot off of some of those other the other chalk. And I like Alex Noren at 45. Yeah, can't blame you. Uh, I think Alex Noren's like a knockoff version or just a, a little less – Exciting version of some GM, like you said, when when those guys get all four clicking at once, because 
I mean, they're going to win tournaments, which, but it's just rare that it happens. So maybe this will be the week. Who will know? We will see. Um, moving on for me, I only have, I've only officially taken three golfers. So I'll get my next one and then I'm going to throw it up because there's so many guys here. And this is one of the weeks where that I wanted to, I wanted to just expand upon a little bit. One of the weeks where I'm really going to dictate who I take at the end of the day by who drifts. It's really going to be numbers predicated with these guys. Like I just talked about, if I had access yesterday, a book Monday morning, and I saw Kevin Nunn at 70 to one and Kisner at 60 to one, I'd be on them. But now that lines have moved and they're down to 40 to one over. And then you have a drift on a trail hat and a 50 to one. That's why I'm taking Hatton. And I'm going to watch a lot of these names and all these numbers and, and where they move, who people are excited about and, uh, and who they're not so excited about. And then I'll, I'll, I'll scoop up some of these guys that I'm eyeing, but like someone that I almost, I wanted to grab yesterday. Like I saw Tom Hoagie at 80 to one, 90 to one. Now I'm not seeing anything better than 66 to one. So for now I'm laying off when it comes to that. Um, one of the names that, uh, I wanted to take, and I just missed the 66 to one. And we've talked about him a little bit in the past and I'll just dive a little deeper, but Adam Hadwin is just playing amazing golf right now. Lights out golf, three top tens in his last, uh, three appearances, uh, Valero Valspar, the players approach game on fire. He would have won Valero if he could have putted, lost a stroke and a half putting, uh, and came in fourth place. This is a guy that talk about trend players that trends in the right direction. When he gets hot, he gets hot. He's been solid at the RBC in his career, but I don't really care about course history with him. I care about where he's, how he's been doing, how he's been playing. And at a 66 to one number, if I, if you see that anywhere, I'm going to look for a 60. If I get any drift on him there, I'm going to take him school up at 60. Best I'm seeing right now is 50. So um, other than that though, the, the guy that's officially, on my card that I've taken. And I know I've talked about it in the past when I get him on a short Bermuda track, I told you he's going to win one of these this year and I'm sticking to my guns and I get him 130 to one is Denny McCarthy, the Bermuda putting specialist. I get him here and he's been hitting the ball. Fantastic. Recently gained three and a half on approach at the Valero gained a little over a stroke off the tee was bad around the green, which is really rare for Denny McCarthy, but this man's putting recently has just been on fire. I mean, he's not really surprising, but I think he's gained in nine of his last, or no, 11 of his last 12 events he's gained. And almost all of them have been over a stroke and a half putting. I mean, the guy's putter is just fantastic, especially we get him on this Bermuda surface. And I like to see him at a tournament where he's coming off three and a half on approach. If he gains three and a half on approach this week, he's going to be a hot putter away from being in contention in such a soft field. So at north of triple digits, I love Denny McCarthy this week. All right. Sounds good. I know you've got more work to do, but I've filled out my card, so I'm going to keep going. <clears throat> In that same 40 to 50 to 1 range, I'm going to continue the card with Harold Varner the third at 50 to 1 odds. I mean, the only reason – or not the only reason. One of the reasons that I'm all over this guy is a lot of people know that <laughs> Thursday and Friday I bet Sergio in in 18 hole matchups against Varner, and we were watching it the whole time. And oh my God, Harold Varner was just on fire with this whole game. His tee to green game was incredible. If he ever missed a green, he was chipping in from everywhere, drilling fucking 40 footers, which. <clears throat> In my head, I was like, okay, that's not sustainable. And then I, I keep watching. I didn't bet it, but I kept, kept watching his round because it caught my eye. Kept watching his round Saturday and Sunday, and he just kind of kept it up. And I was like, you know what? This guy, 
he's, he's in really good form. So I started to dig into the numbers with him this week, and I realized, you know what? He is on fire right now. He, he looks great in my model. He was number 14th in the field. He popped on his approach play, around the green play, and his opportunities gain. Three things that I love this week. I just think he's been in unbelievable form all year this year, really. On top of that, he was a runner-up last year at this event, so he has a second-place finish at the RBC, something you'll love to see. I mean, even if I just go back to his finishes from the start of this cap, the uh, – the 2022-2023 season, even including the wraparounds, a 16th at Fortinet, 11th at Sanderson Farms, 32nd CJ Cup, 22nd AMX, 6th at the Players, 23rd at the Masters. Man, his game's really in great form. And uh, if you just look at the numbers, you know, the way Fantasy National and uh, most places have it set up, you know, it's highlighted in green when on their positive strokes game metrics and neg- in red on the opposite. And all I really see is green. I mean, there's one tournament at the Genesis where he just got absolutely destroyed. And besides that, I mean, he his really only red comes with this putter. And that's even been not terrible as of late. So uh, I really like him this week. Give me Harold Varner the third, the guy from the Carolinas. So he certainly should be familiar with the course as well. And he had a runner up last year. So Harold Varner the third at 50 to one, hopefully he doesn't finish in third. I, uh, I guess I'll keep going. I got a few more. I mean, yeah, I'll just throw out some names. One of them. I mean, but. well, no, one of them that you haven't mentioned his name and makes me sick. Like FOMO bet every week, Mito Pereira, 80 to one. I think he's a, this is just a FOMO bet as usual, but 80 to one. And finally, his number starting to, to drift down a little bit, which is great. He's a great course fit for him this week where it's all about Tita green game. Unfortunately, it also includes having a good putter, which isn't for him, but the rest of his game sent, tends to fit at, at this type of course. So it's not a week that I was willing to let off of him because this seems like a week and, and a field. I mean, even though the field's, uh, know pretty solid at the top like this seems like a field and a tournament where we've seen long shots and that he would kind of fit, fit the build the build yeah i mean uh <laughs> am i never going to be on Mito? but he does, the only thing that does scare me about him this week is that um it's not i don't think it's a course where he's gonna be able to really take advantage of his elite off the tee play he's gonna have to get really hot with the approach play and somehow get a hot putter for once for him to actually be in uh really good contention, but he's been on fire off the tee recently. And I don't know how much that's going to help him this week. All that being said, I just, I feel like the more I hate on him now is it'll be better for his chances to win. So I'm just going to try to like um, talk a little shit on him. But other than that, I mean, some guys I'm looking at in the mid range that I may take uh, depending on what kind of numbers I can get. I'd actually like, which I don't think I've ever bet him pre-tournament, but Maverick McNeely, um, his ball striking numbers, his irons, his last time out were, fantastic it's just he could not putt uh i i like him at i mean to me like a good comparison to this track is pebble beach and that's i mean i know that's his home course and we always talk about but he always plays well there but i mean coming off the valero and the players where he's gained four and a half and 3.8 on approach and i mean he's not too long removed from the genesis gaining eight and a half somehow putting so uh if i can get him uh to drift a little bit past 50 and i can get a number on that i think i may snag some Maverick McNeely. Other than that, I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've liked Cebu the last few weeks. I think he's close to um, getting a win. He's also at 50 to one. And I mean, you guys know where to find my picks. I just don't want to say I, I took anyone. I mean, that I haven't taken. And look, we put all this information out there for you to be like, Oh, I like this. I like that. I want to take him. I want to take that. 
So throw a bunch of different names out there with different reasonings and uh, you make your own informed decision. So in the mid range, that's really those sort of the few guys I'm looking at, maybe even Brian Harmon, if I can find like a 75, 80 to one, this is the rare track. I think he can actually compete and win uh, since he's just so short off the tee, but so accurate. And other than that, I will dive more into some long shots, but before I do, Brandon, who else you got? I've got one long shot here and it's Smilon Dylan Fratelli at, wow. 100, at 130 to one. Honestly, you'd be surprised. The guy's on fire right now. He's um, I love the way he's, he's coming in off the top 10 finish at the Valero gaining over three strokes on approach and three strokes putting, but honestly, the approach play has just been incredible Two, four, five straight events. All of those events, pretty solid finishes, 26th at Genesis, 16th at the Honda, and some mediocre finishes, uh, 42nd and 50th at the Players, and then a top 10 at Valero. But, you know, he's not going to be having the same type of fields as the, as the players in Arnold Palmer. So let's think about this as more of a Honda-type feel, field. And I think the course is just sets up for him pretty decently. I know that um, like he had a top 10 here in 2020. I'd love to hear that. Know, with the, with the form he's in, and to to know that he has finished top ten at this event before, that tells me that you know it fits his game pretty well. And on top of that, you know he, this guy's. And when when I get to this range above 100 to one, I know that guys win like their maiden tour event as long shots fairly often. But you know I I like to put a, a decent amount of you know weight on a guy that's won a PGA Tour event in his career at at a long as a long shot because. They have win. They, technically, they have win equity, you know. So I think he's a solid flyer at 130 to one. I like Dylan Fratelli. Certain, certainly, if you don't want to bet him as a long shot to win outright, definitely love him in matchups. Definitely love him in DraftKings. I think he's going to be a solid play this week. I thought we were actually. I thought it was going to be the first week in a while where we didn't have any of the same ponies. But other than McCarthy, he was easily my favorite in the triple digits this week. <laughs> I love Dylan Fratelli. A lot of the reasons you just outlined. I mean, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but at the Valero, over three strokes on approach, four strokes putting. It's what I'm looking for this week. He's always pretty good around the green player. Uh, and another semi-trend player. When this guy starts trending well, he does well, and he has good course history here. So for Telly, at triple digits, um, I love it. I think seven – I don't know if we even discussed this, but I think seven of the last ten winners or something or something cr- crazy have been triple digits Um I know five of the last six. So something like that. Regardless, something it's it's just. I just don't know who the 2015 winner was. I don't have it up. So I mean, I'm thinking that I'm gonna probably end up, even though I only th- have a three officially on my card. Fratelli's definitely gonna be a card, so let's just make him a fourth. Uh, other than that, I think I'm gonna just ha- have four or five more in this triple digit range. Some guys that I'm eyeing personally. Um, Branch Hanneker, 150 to one. This guy coming off a, a couple weeks ago, where look, we I always talk about when you have players that are normally really bad at one key statistic, like approach, like Branch Snedeker. And then he comes out and is absolutely on fire in that one statistic, like Branch Snedeker was last, uh, I think it was Valero. Let's look it up. But uh, when they do that, I want to be on them the next time because normally Branch Snedeker, great putter, terrible approach. What happens? He comes out the Valero, gains 5.8 on approach and loses 5.2 putting. That is just an opposite of what Branch Snedeker does on the regular. And, now you're talking about a course that what is Branch Snedeker nowadays? Where could he actually compete on a small track? He's not good off the tee. He's not long off the tee, gets himself in play. And if you figured out those irons, 150 to one, like Branch Snedeker, 
this week. Another guy I know we talked about, he's more of a heckling giant also, kind of like a, a mini Alex Noren. Sahith Tagala, 125-1. to one. Uh, He's got my eye. <clears throat> that guy's going to win soon when everything clicks. Why not at, in, a small, in a track like this? Um, hmm, let's see who else I had circled. Oh, Charles Howell III, another guy that I never bet. But, oh, my God, if, when you do a little deeper dive on Charles Howell III. And he won the RSM, which is also – that's the one that he won a few years ago in a playoff. But that's also on another island in South Carolina. Could be. I would trust you there. I'm not sure. But he's he's played solid uh, here in his career. But the one thing I wanted to highlight on him when, at his fourth at Valero a couple weeks back, if you know golf, you know Charles Howell III has been on the PGA Tour for a long time, over probably about 25 years. At the Valero, he had he gained 10.6 strokes tee to green, fifth best of his career, lost 1.8 putting and for his fourth place finish. Fifth best tee to green in Charles Howell III's career. You're getting him at uh, triple digits this week, something to keep an eye on. One guy I love this week, most likely will be on my card. I'm just hoping I get a better number than 125 to 1, but it's Joel the man, Joel Damon, 125 to 1. Um, I, think, I think that guy's made for like the the Puerto Rico Opens and the Barbasols to win for an outright card. I love him. You know, if you want to take a big, top twenty or DraftKings, I mean, this field at the top is pretty pretty loaded. You're talking about uh, course or courses where scrubs win, and um, Joel Damon's a scrub. Well, and, and I, scrubs win here, so. I know we've been saying that, but also this is the best field that this tournament's had in probably over a decade. Well, two years ago, actually, Brandon, to, say, to show you you're wrong, it was the oh, second it was the first event out of COVID, and every, yeah. every elite player was here in a scrub one. So, I mean, it's, it's just, I don't know. I just, this is a course that I think neutralizes some of the best player in the world's strengths. So that's why you see some of these guys lower down the field coming out. I know, out. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate. But, I will tell you, though, Charles Howell won the RSM, which is at the Sea Island Resort, which is basically down the street from where Hilton head is. It's just on a separate Island and he has three top 10 finishes there. So great corollary course. And he absolutely dominates that event. So yeah, I can see it. I can see it for sure. Um, yeah, he will most likely be on my card also just open. I mean, checking a few books to get a, a better number, but again, I just want to portfolio. I just want to highlight like really quickly some of these guys that I just said, and then a few others. And just to, I think I'm gonna have a portfolio of like five of these guys on my card and have that with, uh, maybe one like Berger at 30 to one hand at 50 to one, and maybe one other in that 51 range. And I mean, that's, that's what I did at Pebble, a corollary course for me. And we hit Hoagie. So hoping for something similar, but were you about to touch on something else? No, I uh, was just welcoming my favorite law dog into the house. It's softball night and he has arrived. So just saying hello, but I am willing and able to move over to our full tournament matchups. If you'd like. Yeah, go for it. Wow, what a brutal week I had last week. 0-6. I don't even want to think about it. As I oh. as I mentioned off the bat, I fucking sucked last week. Just in everything. I got a terrible read on, on, on everything. And, I mean, look, you, you got to bet guys under 20-1 to 1, like Cam Smith and Scheffler. Like, have fun doing that. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 can you stop it? Fuck, man. I told you I'm not feeling good, man. I can't control myself. Well, you can mute yourself. Shit. I could, but some, sometimes things just hit you out of nowhere, like Scotty Scheffler hitting four wins in seven events. You know, it just happens. I think it was six, but whatever. All right. I'm going to start my matchup card off with one of your ponies. I wanted to – I like him this week. I just 
something about him, like it's not like he's like Tommy or Fitzpatrick where I have like a preconceived notion that he can't win on tour because he has and he will. It's not like a Lowry, but Terrell Hatton just simply just is never a sexy play to me. And honestly, it was watching him at Sunday at the Masters when he was on feature groups that I just in the morning wave with at the same time as Tiger. And I, he was so bad, and he kept getting so mad at himself. And he was hitting the worst shots ever, and I was like, oh, my God, this guy is rattled. I I could not – I mean, maybe a re, like a, a fresh start at a new course is, is all good and dandy. But when I see that from a guy on a Sunday, yeah, I'm usually not going to want to bet him the next week. But I will bet him in a oh, matchup. I'm I'll, bet him, I'll bet him in a matchup, like I said, over a, a guy like Russell Henley who – I honestly truly believe is the most overrated player on the PGA tour. I have no idea why the books love him so much as well. I mean, I think DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a 22 to one on him. Like what the fuck? The guy hasn't won in what five. Honestly, how many years has it been? It has to be over five years. Like, he doesn't even win, and he honestly doesn't even contend. He had the one lead, what, last year, and he completely imploded on Sunday. I mean, he's really just not that good. Like, yeah, his numbers always look good because his tee to green game is awesome. The guy can't putt. He's just not like an all-around golfer, not somebody I would ever want to take as an outright play, certainly not over the course of 72 holes. So I'll take Tyrell Hatton at plus 117. I mean, holy value right there. I mean, I mean, Tyrell Hatton is, is a far more complete golfer and certainly more adequate and, and better fit for this course than Russell Henley, in my opinion. So I'll, and especially with what Vegas is telling me uh, that he's a plus one seventeen underdog. I don't, I don't, don't agree with that or appreciate it. The uh, how rooted of a line that is. And my, I'm only going to do two matchups this week. That's why I'm going a little bit more in depth. And I'm going to go. My second one is going to be Webb Simpson over Sung J M. This is a pretty simple course history bet. Webb Simpson, five finishes, sorry, five top, excuse me. You okay? He has five finishes that he finished in the top 11, and that includes a win in his career here, whereas Sung J.M.'s played here three times and he's missed the cut twice. Webb Simpson is one of those, you know, horses for courses type of guy where he just dominates at certain tracks, kind of like a Bubba, just for a few guys on tour like that. Webb is certainly one of those. He absolutely crushes here. I don't know why he's an underdog to Sung J.M. I thought Webb Simpson played pretty decent last week at the Masters, barring his awful Sunday, but which is actually really funny because I'm like inversely talking about Simpson Sunday to Hatton Sunday, but <laughs> um, him sucked too, so it's all good. Uh, and he's an underdog. I'll take Webb Simpson over Sung J.M. minus 110. He just simply has the better course history. All right, all right. All right. So understood. That being said, I have my typical matchups. You guys know what my strategy really is when it comes to these most of the time. And that's a lot of the guys I like outright targeting against guys that I don't really like. So it's going to be a little more of the same. Um, I got Hatton plus 125 over Russell Henley. I guess, Brandon, someone was just listening to your handicap and just said, you know what, I want to fade this guy for hating on Russell Henley so much because. I looked earlier when you did, and it was plus 117, but now it's plus 125. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I love Hatton this week. I already talked about that. If I'm getting plus money when he's a better player, give me that all day long. Hadwin minus 115 over Matt Kuchar. Kuchar last time out played great. I know this is a solid fit for him, but Kuchar did it all with the putter. Hadwin's been doing it all with the ball striking. Uh, give me Hadwin over him. 
um little mini fade of my brother here and it's just it's not really it's just i wanted some exposure to tom hoagie and it's hoagie minus 115 over harold varner the third Harold varner the third just a very volatile player which is what you want in outrights but not uh it's something i could pick apart in matchups because his putter is just so heckle and jide you never know what you're gonna get uh so give me hoagie there fratelli plus 115 over evr talked about how much you love fratelli there uh, not much more to say Danny McCarthy already talked about how much I love him. Minus 115 over Troy Merritt. Keeping against Troy Merritt, you never know what you're going to get. But um, give me that. My favorite one of the week, and you know I normally don't tend to go over minus 125, 130 in juice with matchups because I think it's so volatile. But we just expounded upon Charles Howell III, and he's minus 140 over Stuart Stink. And Stuart Stink, defending champion, but he has been hitting the ball terribly for months now. Terribly. Just wow, he was so bad at the Masters. They kept showing him awful, on one of the TVs. He was terrible. Yeah, awful ball striking. Um, I love that bet at only minus 140 with how well Powell has been striking the ball. So, um, oh yeah, and last but not least, if we're talking about someone awful striking the ball, let's go Branch Snedeker, minus 115 over Ricky Fowler. Um, I was just talking up Snedeker with his irons and I get to fade Ricky Fowler. Yeah, please, that'll round out my seven head-to-head matchups of the week. All right, let's finish out our cards and get to our first-round leaders. I will rattle mine off. I told you I'm going to have exposure on Hatton. I just wasn't feeling him outright, but he does tend to go low. And if he's going to bounce back from that Sunday, the only thing I can see is him doing it on a Thursday. So give me Hatton as a 45-to-1 first-round leader, kind of you know hedging my thoughts here because <laughs> um, I'm all over the place and I'm a head case. Um, Maverick McNeely, you alluded to him. I love him as well. He goes low. When he goes low, he goes low. When that putter reciprocates, I'll take him at 45 to 1. Aaron Wise at 71, 70 to 1. Uh, this is in South Carolina. There's a lot of ducks right on the water right there. And he went to Oregon. So Aaron Wise, 70 to 1. Oh, come on. I didn't even get a laugh out of you. Sorry. I was just doing my own research over here. Oh, you fucking asshole. I mean, look, man, it happens. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah, I, I'll laugh at my own joke for that one. It was pretty good. <laughs> but I'll repeat it for you just so you can hear it. No, sorry. Right. I always listen to the show three times. So I'll laugh when I listen, just like our listeners. Okay, fine. Um, I, I also like Demand Joel Damon, but only as a first-round leader. Another guy that if he goes – if the putter reciprocates, he can go low, low, low. And lastly, my uh, my favorite Mexican – on the PGA Tour, Carlos Ortiz. And the only reason he's my favorite Mexican specifically this week is because Abraham answered with Drew. But honestly, I like Ortiz more anyways. He's way sexier. Sexy oh, sexy nasty. All right. That's like it, man. It. That's that's it right there. Harbor Town, RBC Heritage. That's my card, everybody. So mic drop. All right. So I'll give you my first round leaders everyone knows. How I, how I do this. We're going to the morning wave and we're going with a lot of those long shots. I just talked about Damon 90 to one. We are going with Charles Howell the third at 80 to one. We're going with Denny McCarthy at 80 to one. Is Dylan Fratelli in the early wave, Brandon? Hmm. I'm not sure, but Carlos Ortiz is. Maybe you're starting to tell me. We'll go see Heath the gala. He's nah, going off early. I don't believe, I don't believe in that. So I didn't yeah, even I know you don't. Um, but you're the producer. You're supposed to like research things you may or may not believe in. But what I believe in is the Heath Gala going off first at 80 to one. Give me that. Oh yeah. Danny McCarthy does go off early. So um, lock me into that one. And uh, I don't know. 
I'll have to do the rest of my research. Wasn't really prepared. That's why you don't take naps before the show, Brandon. So, but I gave you four right there. Maybe a little Tom Hoagie, depending if I can get 70 or so on him. I see he's off early. Oh, yeah, 66 to one. Give me Tom Hoagie. So there's a five pack of long shot first round leaders for you off in the morning. Well, everybody, that was Golf Picks with the Plotniks, your RBC Heritage 2022 in a slight Masters recap. Good luck, everybody. ELTA.